Control Alt Delete with Miss Joel. Navigating your way through the social, local, and mobile tech talk on show 977. 12 minutes after 7. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning, Terry. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was fantastic. Got uh, a little celebration in of our first anniversary. Got a lot of sleep in. Really uh, was uh, spoiled on the weekend. It was great. And Happy yourself? Happy anniversary. Yeah, Thank you. Great to see Thank you. It's amazing when it's someone else's life how fast it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. Um, listen, I don't want to keep talking about this, but I think we have to keep talking about these NFTs. I, I tried to watch and tried to understand uh, the story about, uh, is it Beeple? Is that the way you... It is Beeple, the artist, okay. yeah. Yeah, the artist. And, and he's an artist famous for what now? So Mike Winkleman is known as Beeple, and he's been a digital artist for well over a decade. So every day he would create some form of art that's only available in a digital format. And what he did is he took everything he's done, and he called it Every Day is the First 5,000 Days, and made a collage of all of these images. And he turned that image into what's called an NFT, or non-fungible token, which is essentially a way of putting a piece of code on any digital asset. It could be music, a picture, anything that makes it uniquely identifiable to that file, which is really important because it goes from a place where everybody has a picture to only one being authenticated as being the quote unquote real one or the authentic one. And this piece was put up at auction at Christie's. And again, if you go back in time, not that long, because this is fairly new, this whole passion for collectibles being NFT, being these digital collectibles has been on the rise. Well, on Thursday of last week, Christie's, the online auction, actually sold this piece for a record $69.3 million. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I saw I saw video footage of, I think it was him and his family uh, who had Christie's on the line while the money was, you know, the auction, was, the, the amount was going up and up and up and up. And I thought to myself, you know, I... I, I this is this is something it's, it's just beyond my comprehension. I, I just don't understand. You know, I stand in front of of works of art and and get, you know, how works of art are auctioned off and why they are, um, why they're desirable, why collectors want to have them, what their provenance is. This thing I just didn't understand. I mean, I I looked at it. I I just I just don't understand any of it. But I guess it's here to stay, right? It, it looks that way. I mean, this was the thirdest highest auction price ever achieved for a living artists right after Jeff Koons and David Hockney. So this we can't deny it. And it's not like it's having any let up. We are seeing pieces go for hundreds of thousands of dollars, some in the lower millions as well. People want to have these digital assets. We talked last week how Jack Dorsey from Twitter minted his first tweet to make that a collectible. What's the right. first tweet of the founder of Twitter worth? It's a question that only the marketplace can answer. And again, my good friend, Jeremiah Ouyang, who's an analyst in the space, always says, is it really important what the first person pays or the second? And I think yeah. that's a very <laughs> true example of whether or not there's a marketplace yeah. here or not. But an astounding thing to think about a, yeah. a piece of digital art going for $69 million. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, it's the old smoke of if you got him. I, I don't understand it. The guy who spent $69 million <laughs> bucks on that, good for him. I don't know where you hang that in the or mansion. I guess you, you find your favorite wall, or do you just hey, keep when, it in your pocket? Yeah, when it's digital, Terry, I think you yeah. put it wherever you want it. But exactly. again, we should say it, there were 33 active bidders for this piece of work. So there yeah. is a market there.
Um, here's another thing that uh, happened uh, over the last couple of days, and it was the uh, the bowling alley drone movie that I watched a couple of times, and it was really fantastic to watch. Um, but I don't understand what all the uh, excitement is about. Can you explain? So this is an 87-second short film that we will leave a link to that one of the directors of Toy Story tweeted as one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. So I think that's a moment when you know you've done something right. This is, again, like 90 seconds. It was filmed at Bryant Lake Bowl and Theater in Minneapolis. But the important thing that makes you go, wow, when you think about it is, one, when you start seeing the angles of the shots, they seem very improbable. And what's amazing is this is something that was done in one shot. There's no cutting. There's no splicing of it. It wasn't manipulated in any way. And it really is this stunning uh, realization of what you can do with these little tiny drones and how well they record also. And this video has has clocked up over six plus million views, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. And people are really getting enthusiastic about it. It's the idea, I guess, that if you can control these drones, you could probably get shots and angles you could never accomplish before with a human uh, maintaining the camera. So that that's that's what that's what caught Hollywood's eye, I guess, and, and that's what I thought. I thought to myself when I was finished watching it, this guy was a hell of a pilot. We're we're so consumed with CG and and and, and animation that we often don't realize when something is real how astounding it is to see. <laughs> I think that's partly to blame for Hollywood, but partly the reality of consumers' behavior. It's amazing to think that this is real. There's no editing. It's in and out. And yeah, when you see where this drone goes, it's it's kind of jaw dropping. Um, all right. It's a good thing you're here because here's another story I don't understand about real world crashes and self-driving cars. Do explain. This is maybe one of the most monumental moments in thinking about what would happen if we left self-driving cars on the road. So Waymo, which is owned by Alphabet, and now Alphabet is the holding company of Google, of course, What they wanted to do is figure out how safe these vehicles have been, and they've been driving them for millions upon millions of miles. And so they used real-world fatal crashes that took place in Arizona over a decade to see what what would happen. And the numbers are, are really, really astounding if you look at this. They basically say that if they, and they've recreated them like down to a T, that they would remove, if if one or both vehicles were autonomous in these accidents, it would have removed almost 100% of all fatalities. Wow. I mean, that's just an wow. astounding thing to realize. Yeah. And so I think we are hitting this moment in time where perhaps everybody will start looking at these, be less afraid of them, and realize that perhaps this will change our actual future and our history. I mean, this isn't a small number, but every single one is, is unbelievable. I mean, if you read this article, which we'll leave a link to, it's from The Verge, you go through the data and you're just sitting here shaking your head going, why do we have humans behind wheels anymore? I mean, I get it. I love to drive too. But when you look at these numbers, it's just jaw dropping. Yeah. And I saw, I don't know if it was in connection with that story, but I saw something on the weekend. It was a, it was a video of a guy getting into a driverless cab. So I guess they, they, they may have been experimenting with driverless cabs in some neighborhood and uh, the video of uh, this person getting into the cab um, and a voice reminding him to do up his seatbelt and him punching in where he wanted to go. 
um, was it was fascinating and intriguing and a little creepy all at the same time. Like, I, just, I don't know if I'm ready to get into a driverless cab yet. Yeah, and, and the, the one paragraph that really stood out for me was this com- was this depiction of the data, which was last year, the Waymo published more than 6.1 million miles of driving data. So that's just in, in 2019 and 2020. And the cars had 18 crashes and 29 near-miss collisions. But in those incidents where its safety operators took control of the vehicle to avoid a crash, meaning a human being, they actually simulated what would happen if the driver had not disengaged the vehicle's self-driving system. And what they saw is that basically it would have been a lot better if, right. if they if, hadn't disengaged. If the <laughs> stupid human would just left everything alone. <laughs> just let the computers <laughs> right. do the work. Gotcha. Uh, what's your app of the week? I first heard about this and I thought this is crazy. We've talked about things like ASMR where people talk very softly and they do all this and makes you relax. But there, there is proof about how this audio really impacts your life. And I came across this stream on YouTube called Nemo's Dreams, Dreamscapes. Mm-hmm. And Nemo's Dreams, Dreamscapes sorry, are compilations and one of them runs as a stream all the time. And it's live oldies music that When you listen to the or watch the video, it's playing softly in another room and it's got fire cracklings and you could hear some furniture moving around. And it's basically it's amazing. It totally relaxes and chills you out. So they want people to use this when they're studying or if they can't sleep. And I've used it. It's amazing to work (laughs) to. It's it's crazy. Did you listen to it all, Terry? Yeah, I, I, I saw some of it earlier this morning and it, it, you know, I, I didn't want to fall asleep, so I, I had to shut it off. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's called Neo, Nemo's Dreamscapes and it's on YouTube. And again, we'll leave a link to yeah. all this on our Twitter feed and at sixpixels.com. You can always find it once I get the stuff, usually afternoon. All right. Um, terrific stuff as always, Mitch. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you next Monday. Have a great week, Terry. See okay. you on Monday.